This is Simon Transparently Awakening the heart of humanity As we see beyond the lies And open our eyes to realize This is our time to rise Keep it simple, Phil You know that Keep it simple uh, There's something to be said for that Absolutely <laughs> And it, you know, it's not easy to resist the <laughs> The layers and the complexity. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So, w- welcome to. I'm. I feel that I can in the, in the sh- in. The, it it may seem like a f- only a few hours that we've engaged, but I, I'm going to introduce you as a f- as a beautiful friend, as a as a mentor. Even though I've not uh, uh, been, you could say, in your presence for many many hours, but just the hours that I have been, what I've read from you. Um, I see you as a real support to me, a guide, a friend, and um, you know, even just picking up on your uh, sharings on uh, social platforms and so on. So, welcome today to uh, another beautiful, transparent conversation. Welcome, Philip Shepherd. Thank you, I, and I gotta say that you know, I feel that friendship. I feel, I feel your heart so full and open and ready for life, and I just. I just connect with that right away. <laughs> Beautiful. So we are at a very interesting time in our humanity, uh, um, Philip. And I feel with you and I, we can dive straight in. And many people watching can, you know, look at the links after, go and explore your books, you know, from a Radical Wholeness, New Self, New World. And, I mean, you've been showing up and just, you know, through your facilitator training, through your workshops, you've been going on a journey now for a few years, really welcoming people back into their body, you know, a sense of real embodiment. And I think one of the things that always drew me to you was this idea of, um, yeah, radical wholeness, you know, this idea of what does it really mean to be whole, to be a, I would call that sort of a sovereign being, maybe that would be a term that I use sometimes. And I'm fascinated with the body. I'm very much into uh, dynamic meditations and just coming back into the body. And right now, I'd love us to dive in around that, but also with what's happening on the bigger body of the world, right? Uh, which I know you referenced many times. I read your little piece on um, COVID-19 with COVID-19 meaning us, you know, that was a, a beautiful essay around, you know, what, what is the world, uh, what opportunities is the world showing us right now? And I don't want us to dismiss, Philip, that there's so many people in experiencing trauma right now. I'm receiving many messages of people in shock, in fear, and really, you know, the, the rugs being pulled under their, uh, their feet on so many levels. And um, yeah, just whatever bubbles from, from a little bit of that, let's dive in. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a hugely, hugely disorienting time. <clears throat> and in a way, what it exposes is the expectations that we've come to expect. Do you know what I mean? We have, we have this idea of what normal is. And in a way, our, our attachment to that system just moving forward, um, I think has dulled us to some of the consequences of it moving forward. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, here we are at this standstill. This strange, strange quiet. And yeah, in the quiet, there is fear, there is anguish. Um, 
And that's, you know, that's close to me. Um, my mother died two days ago and it, it wasn't COVID related, but we were so careful and she died at home and she died in the arms of my brother, which, you know, what, what could be, um, God, more loving as a, as a way to pass. But, but that, that hole that is felt in your life. And, and, you know, I was able to go and see her, but to imagine her, you know, locked up in an institution, suffering and, and, and incapable of feeling the touch of, of someone's hand, the, the immediacy of someone's voice. So, so we're in this turmoil of disruption. And my hope is, you know, with the, with the world unplugged from this go, go, go imperative that we will come back to ourselves in a way that encourages a reassessment. I think if, if, we, if we remain committed to just firing up the old system as quickly as we can, we will dishonor the pain and the grief and the death that this has brought us. Mm. Mm. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm just feeling into your mother passing at the moment. <laughs> I'm just yeah, really, yeah, just really, yeah, I heard the other parts after that, but I, as, as soon as you mentioned your mother passing and, and, and being in your brother's arms, I was sort of catapulted into my uh, granddad passing in my mum's arms. And um, yeah, I just, yeah, it just, that just hit me. Yeah. It just hit and, me. And, and that, you know, that human contact, mm. that's where it happens. Mm. And here we are, you know, with my mum arranging a funeral well, there are only nine people allowed to come to the graveside. And then you're, you're practicing social distancing. And it's, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's, it's taken away expressions that are so necessary to our humanity. Mm. And I think in doing that, it, you know, it, it asks us to revisit what really matters in your life and how to nurture that and care for it and carry it forward. Mm, yeah, that's a, um, that's a, a real, that's an interesting one. There's a lot coming up for me from that, um, Philip, which I'd love. Yeah. I'd love to hear. So this idea of, so even this idea of, yeah, like you said, only nine people allowed a, a funeral. And, and this sense of like really wanting to honor life by this idea that, you know, there is a, a potential that we can, uh, you know, there's a, a contagion around right now. And there's a part of me and, and maybe it's a, a um, it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's not an immature or what's the word, um, um, you know, when you, um, 
yeah, it's not a stupidity, but I, I, I don't know how I would deal with that. I feel like I don't know how I would deal with that based on some of the information that I'm also experiencing and hearing and, and from so many different people, from the likes of doctors, scientists and, and, and whatnot, not just, you know, not fake news and just the mad media that's gone crazy at the moment online. But there's a real part of me that really feels that while there is a, you know, virus uh, um, in the terms of, uh, a, a corona virus, which is, you know, there's many forms of coronavirus. And even, and I know there's been this whole link with uh, the normal flu that comes every year and, and wipes out, you know, uh, thousands of thousands of humans. And, that, you know, this could be a strain that is definitely uh, slightly more uh, aggressive, let's say. But there's a part of me that feels like, for example, if I was to go back right now, I probably just wouldn't, unless my mum really wanted me to, I wouldn't social distance from her. Um, you know, there's a there's a rebel in me that would be like, I'm sorry, but I'm not social distancing from her. And, you know, that's just how I feel. And I would check in with my mum. And I mean, I know in this instance, everyone has to trust their own intuition. But there's something in me, Philip, and I don't want us to get in. We're not going to go into um, uh, different facts for people on here and what people believe and not. But there's something in me that really feels like, oh, you know, I can't I can't fully trust this in my body. And when you talk about body, Philip, I can't fully trust this in my body. And that's just, you know, that's just how I feel at the moment. Um, and that's why I wanted to call you in today as well, because I know you talk so much about rekindling the connection to our intuition. And I feel that we've lost that as a species. Absolutely. I mean, we're, all, we, all, we, all we seem to be able to live by are rules and the right ideas of how to be and how to act and what to do and and so, you know, you can stand at 2.30 in the morning at a red light wanting to cross the street and there's not a car in sight, but the light is red. So do you stay there right. or, do you, or do you say, no, I'm safe? I'm, you know, so, so I that is a great. That is a great. I'm sorry. I just want to say that is a great example. That's a beautiful metaphor because I've seen people stop, you know. <laughs> No, no, really. I just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kind of crazy jaywalker. I mean, in China right now, I, get, I will get arrested instantly, right? You can't even jaywalk. As soon as you jaywalk, you get charged on your credit card, right? But like, wow. you know, yeah, as soon as it's the social uh, control in there is immense right now. I, I watched a, a video on it. But anyway, you was in the flow, but I love that metaphor. Like, that is such a great example. Like, do I still stop at two in the morning or do I think I got to get home and I can just walk across the road right now? Yeah, and I, I can check in with my own truth and and carry forward in in ease and clarity. So, you know, to take the example then of, of my mom, I didn't practice social distancing with her. Um, I arrived at her house. I had a shower. I had a, a clean change of clothes. So I took off my clothes, put them in a bag, had a shower, pulled there. So I was meticulous in the care I took and absolutely felt right to be beside her and hold her hand and joke with her and, and be present to her mm. in that way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, and I feel that that's really, I like that, you, you know, there's that sense of really tuning in and going, okay, what feels, what feels true to me based on what I've received? Because the other thing, Philip, as well, is that many people are receiving very, very, very different uh, uh, oh. in, information, perspectives. They have a different filter of life. 
They have different life experience. I mean, look at you. For me, if anybody wants to look at your life journey, the, the bravery, the courage, the sort of out of the box um, um, life that you, you know, you've lived from a young age, the way you've questioned life, you know, we all come at life from a very different angle, right? So we also have to take that into account. And, and I, I, for one, for anyone listening, I'm not just, I'm, I'm really tuning in to not just point fingers, blame, judge, because at the moment, judging gets heightened in this shadow work, right? The shadows are out right now. It's like, you know, certain so-called awake people or what you want to call them, or uh, um, let's say with more awareness of finding themselves all of a sudden in this sort of, you know, energy of judgment and this is wrong and you should do that and you should do that. And everyone's like, wow, it can be quite intense out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, you know, that... that um you have to accept it all and make sense of it for yourself. So, so, you know, the risk, it's a real risk. I mean, people are dying. You know, my brother has, has friends who've died. And, and the risk is greatest for those who are most vulnerable. The, the you know, people who are older, people who have diabetes, who have heart conditions there. It's the vulnerable. So, so there's a, um, you know, there's a thing, you know, no one's going to tell me what to do. Right. And well, it's not, it's not about that. It's about protecting your neighbor. It's about protecting your neighbor's dad who, you know, it's, it's about protecting those who are most vulnerable. And then, you know, as a society, we're making huge, huge sacrifices at the moment that that are to help the most vulnerable among us. Well, that's that's you know, if civilization is about anything, my God, that that caring for the most vulnerable—that's the the hallmark for me of a of a truly civilized country or a truly civilized society. And we were reluctant sometimes to recognize vulnerability. We go into the judgment thing. I mean, the, 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 the poorest among us, they face challenges. I mean, you know, to wake up in the morning wondering where, where you're going to get anything to eat today. Um, that's something that that just wouldn't even occur to most of us, and the 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 pressures that poverty brings to bear, and and our our culture, you know, it's it's so extremely stratified between the rich and the poor, and they they live in the same society, and and you can't think I'm. I've got it made when when your brother doesn't doesn't know where he's going to get his next meal. It's 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 not a tenable definition of any society to move forward that way. There's a story. Can I share a story with you? Oh. Um, there's a there's a a guy Wade Davis who um, is a is a well-known anthropologist, worked with National Geographic and was close to um, a tribe in Borneo, Aboriginal tribe, hunter-gatherer tribe. 
And the, the um, First Nations people, indigenous people in Canada uh, are really proactive, really feeling their, their ability to demand justice. And they organized the first ever indigenous conference where indigenous people came together. Um, and so Wade Davis was asked to, to sort of chaperone um, uh, a group from this hunter-gatherer culture in Borneo. And they came to Vancouver. They'd never been on a plane. They come to this city with skyscrapers and, and you know, everything gleaming and glittering. And the conference went ahead. And now it's at the end of the conference and they're about to head home. And so Wade Davis looks at them and says, so in everything you've seen, what, what's the one thing that most surprised you on your trip? And they looked at him and they said, your, your brothers are sleeping on the sidewalk with nothing to eat and no home to go with. And we look at the wealth of this city. And this, we don't understand. How is this possible? How can you do this? Please explain this to us. That's the perspective. Yeah. that we've lost and in this newly kindled compassion whereby we come together to to keep the vulnerable as safe as possible my gosh if we can build on that then something new is possible mm. Mm. yeah that's a that, that that's worthy of a of a real deep breath mm, because Yeah, because as you, this, this, this is why there's so many ways to perceive what's unfolded. And I feel that if we can take that a broader perspective, because, you know, as I say again, when I hear, when, when you spoke firstly, and then you brought that story in, which is beautiful, when you spoke firstly, I was like, oh, well, we want to all of a sudden take care of our closest because it's like, you know, ah, oh, you know, the, uh, this might affect my gran or this might affect my, 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 my child, right? And I've seen a lot of posts popping up like that. Wow, you know, I want to protect my nearest and dearest. And I feel that when we go out and go, well, okay, whether or not this strain of the coronavirus is more deadly than the, 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 the normal flu or not, right? Because there's, there's, that's definitely open to further investigation, which will continue over these coming months, I'm sure. But every single year, every single day, as you just described, our brothers and sisters are being, the vulnerable are being forgotten about. Of course, there's certain institutions and certain people that really go out there and try to make a difference, no question. But as you said, the, 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 the balance of that is massively uh, out of proportion. And so, yes, if we can take how we've reacted now and then bring that in as a sort of, as a rewiring of a subconscious um, program, into our awareness, that's definitely a positive. That's a, it's, it's an, and that could create immense change. And then at the same time, there's a sort of, and I don't like to play too much doubt, there's a, there's a sense of, um, somebody wrote a beautiful article the other day about you know, this uh, idea of gaslighting, where you know, all of a sudden people come out of this, this first phase of what's unfolded right now, and they just wanna run straight back 
to the familiarity and the safety of what has been uh, before them. And they want to get back to so-called normal as quick as possible because, you know, that's where, that's where the, the nervous system can calm down because they're supposedly back into the safe zone, right? Um, and I'm, I don't know if you're aware of the polyvagal theory, but the idea of, um, you know, the, the green and amber, which was the fight and flight, but now there's a sort of new phase, right? In the, in uh, the, a, a man has brought through this freeze phase, this real the red zone, yeah. And when we're in the red zone, even the amber zone, but when we're in the red zone, disassociation, you know, we are we are out. We, we can't hear properly. We're in like we're in massive, massive uh, numbness, shutdown, and so on. And so at the moment, many are in that space, Philip, and it's like you know to bring them back into the the green zone where they can actually make rational decisions and critical thinking and so on. I mean, that in itself is a process because depending on, you know, what your life has been before will determine how much um, is required for you to come. Because you can't just catapult back to the green zone, right? It, it doesn't work like that. It's not like, oh, I'm in the red now, I'm in the green, oh, everything's okay. It doesn't work like that. There's a sort of, you know, there's an aftershock, right? There's a process that has to take place to come back into that green zone where they can start to really, you know, again, I use the word critical thinking. So for me at the moment, I'm just noticing so much out there, Philip, of, of I guess, also the, 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 the pain that can come from this um, distancing, social distancing for too long, right? And, and, and there's many different variants of how we can come back together, but it does feel like there's this sort of sense of uh, separation happening, conflict happening, which is also an opportunity for us to look at our shadows, look, at, look within, look at the collective shadow, and I just feel, I'm hoping that narrative that you're talking about, the narrative of looking at this as a great opportunity to cleanse, purify, refine, and, and, and rise anew, right? But I'm a raging optimist, you know this, right? And, or, you know, mm -hmm. we have to just be in, our, in, in a sense of awareness to see what does move over these coming months. Because, you know, there's a lot of talk of many different agendas that are also trying to come in place and, and legislations and statutes and all this other stuff, as I'm sure you've been aware of, from mandatory vaccines to, you know, this, that, and the other. And I feel that coming back to our real sovereign state, what does that look like? You know, where, how can we make conscious decisions that serve ourselves, but also include the whole? Yeah, I mean, I mean, to me, you know, making conscious decisions, being rational is grossly misunderstood because we've been so trained to have the head take charge. Right. And we lose the body. And I think in that, you know, in that time of disorientation and amber and red, as you talk about, What's happening is, uh, is an increasing dissociation from the body. Right. And, and so, the, so the separation that's going on is primarily a separation from the self and the present that has you in its embrace. It's so hard to come to rest in the present and feel its life holding you when, when the adrenals are firing. Right. And, and, and the, if we hadn't so grossly misunderstood what human intelligence is, 
you know, coming back to to conscious awareness would mean would mean coming back to wholeness. Would mean how how can I face this and be with this with the whole of my being? Mm. But you know, we're a traumatized culture to begin with. Right. If if trauma is earmarked primarily by a dissociation from the body, then we're all traumatized. We've well, all totally. done them. Yeah. That's how yeah. we live. Yeah. And so then yeah. to have this piled on top of it, what we tend to do, our programming tells us to, to take charge and judge this is good, this is bad, right. and implement the right decisions according to some schema that is unconnected with what the body knows. Right. And I think what the body most deeply understands is that it belongs to the world, that there is kinship everywhere. You know, the body feels the presence of a tree and feels it as a, as a spiritual ally. Right. And we've, in our um, sort of frenetic anxiety, we lose all sense of kinship with the world. And so then our, you know, that impulse you talk about, how can I protect my grand? How can I protect my, well, well, our whole focus is on protecting humans and the human economy and the GDP. And the most vulnerable are the, the fish that, that, whose bellies are filling with plastic and are dying of starvation, and the frogs, and and the the birds whose habitats are being. I mean, these are the these are the most vulnerable kin that we have. And to think that our lives are in any way separate from theirs is to fall prey to the the thought of the multi-billionaire who doesn't yet have enough money and needs more and feels entitled to more and feels that the the janitor sweeping the floor um, obviously doesn't have what it takes to make it. Right. But that's that's us with nature. And and what we what our way of being does to nature is perfectly analogous to what the COVID-19 um, is doing to human society. Mm. The pain we're feeling is, is the pain of this foreign intrusion that our, our intelligence doesn't know how to process, doesn't know how to deal with. Mm. Right. And that the, the you know, the, the plastics, the pollution, the habitat destruction, the intelligence of those delicate parts of the web of life that are being unraveled, uh, they're being confounded, and the agony of that. And even, I mean, to say that our way of being um, is analogous to COVID-19 you know, I have nothing against hunting, but you take the average North American hunter and he's going out to shoot a deer and he, he doesn't want 
a sick deer or an injured deer. He wants the biggest buck with the you know, biggest set of antlers. Well, that's the leader. Nature doesn't take down the strong. Nature takes for itself the weak. And here's, here's our avarice, our entitlement, depriving the herd of its leader, shattering its social uh, cohesiveness. And so the, you know, the analogy with COVID is just, it's so strong that to, you know, if we can, if we can understand our most taken for granted activities as a form of toxicity, if we can feel the pain of that, then, then there's a reason to change. If we don't, you know, Greta Thunberg doesn't know anything that all of us don't know already. She hasn't got some new information, but she feels the pain of the earth with every cell of her body. It's the capacity to feel that will enable us to promote change. Right. So, yeah, that, that, that leads in. There's a lot there. <clears throat> Mm. the capacity to truly feel creates great change. I mean, even if just being with what you shared at the end, I mean, like I have this capacity, we, we use the word conscious awareness to see, uh, you know, the, the, the bigger picture, let's say, and the interconnectedness of all things. And as you know, I'm a, a great, um, uh, yeah, I just have a, a lot of um, admiration for Charles Eisenstein and the way that he described the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible and, and the way he talks about the story of interbeing and, and, and really that, that, that in-between stories that we are as a, as a collective, as a species. And, and there's a part of me that even if I go back to 2006, seven before that and the literature I was reading and then you know the few peak moments that, that really drove me, what they, they actually drove me from a state of, let's say, awakening, uh, which awakening for me is not just a spiritual thing. It's like seeing something new for the first time, right? A paradigm shift is where all of a sudden you're seeing something, having a complete new reframe and going, oh, my Lord, I never even you know, perceived anything like this was, was possible or happening, right? And then from there, it led me into a series of, of uncovering through documentary after documentary, a number of things that were really atrocities that are happening on our planet from, you know, like you just mentioned from the, you know, shark, shark fishing to, you know, food to pharmaceuticals to, you know, uh, suffering of our, um, of our, of our native people, of our ancestral path. I mean, you know, a real, real took me into like a real depths of, um, some of the darkness and probably still Philip scratching the surface on, on many levels, you know, but that year or so took me into that. And then really what drove this desire to share more love in the world or this, this evoking truth in the world is that my only response was how do I, how do I purify that, which is the lie in me, the, the suffering me, the shadows in me, how, what do I re require doing in order so that that can purify for my system, right? As a, as a micro macro. And what can I offer the world to, to contribute to this more beautiful world, to a world where, you know, many of the things you've spoken about, right? And then what I'm seeing now, and, it, and it's been sparking quite a bit of 
pressure in my solar plexus and, and some rage and some anger really bubbling where it feels like there's another wave of that right now, what I was looking at. And now everyone's got to look at some of these uh, shadows, right, from what's really going on on the planet, how we are being controlled. And then, yeah, I'm just feeling the friction of that. And, and at the same time, the, the um, today, I mean, from seeing you this morning and having this little exchange is already being such a, a balm for me. But yesterday I could feel a lot of anxiety feel in my body, a lot of like, you know, like what's really, you know, what's going on with these. And I want to come back to what you said, but noticing this civil, this having to face the confinements that we as a collective, you use, you use COVID-19 as a sort of, let's say, a metaphor of how we've been treating ourselves and one another, right? And however that's come in, whether that came in from, the, you know, the truth of what we're being told, whether it was orchestrated, well, it doesn't matter, right? It's in there, right? Because because it's in there now, right now. It's like, right now, we don't know fully, but, you know, it could be a number of different things and everyone's confused. So regardless of that, it's here, it's happening Everyone's experiencing what they're experiencing. And so now I'm wanting to go, how can that support us to feel empowered to really look at how we create um, new systems, a new world, as you would call it, a new self, new world, right? What, and maybe, I don't know, you can speak to anything that's popped up here, but what, what is required, would you say, Philip, from how you've been working with people, for individuals that may be listening to this call today, what is required to not just catapult elastic band back to what was, but to actually look at what can be? I, I think we need to understand the self in a completely different way. We are told that we are each essentially alone. And I mean, there, there, is, there is no aloneness in the world ultimately. Like everything I experience ripples into the world and is felt there in some way. Everything that happens into the world ripples through me and is felt through me. There's no, there's no separation. There's no, there's no isolation. But as soon as I accept that I am essentially alone, there, there's this row of dominoes that starts falling. And the first domino to fall is, well, if I'm alone, then my experience is strictly private. It's not shared. It's just felt within me and it's my experience. And then my number one job in life is to supervise that experience and get it right and make it feel good and, and flatter it and make it a success. So I begin, to, I begin to move into division where there's a part of me that is obsessed with me and with getting it right and making it safe. And it's like I take the spotlight of my attention and I turn it off the world and the world is cast into darkness and I shine it on myself. And now I'm in this divided state where, you know, most of my thoughts are about my own thoughts, where, where my concern is, is, is bound me in self-consciousness, where a part of the self is conscious of the other part of the self. 
And, and when I'm in self-consciousness, my number one relationship in the universe is between the divided parts of myself. That's what occupies me. That's where, where most of my attention is devoted. And how to wean away from that self-absorbed um, and darkened notion of what the self is to a relationship where you feel your primary relationship as your relationship with the present. Now, we are confounded in weaning our attention away from the self and onto the world because we have sacrificed our ability to feel wholeness. Mm. And there's this, there's this glaring paradox where reality is only wholeness. That's all there is, is wholeness. And we have desensitized ourselves to wholeness to such an extent that we've forgotten what it means to speak from the wholeness of our being. We've forgotten what it means to listen from the wholeness of our being. We don't know what it is to feel the self in its wholeness. So when I talk about embodiment and describe what embodiment is, I think it's, it's essentially a surrender to a larger intelligence. Mm. And, you know, the brain in the head and the, and the intelligence of the body are, are vastly out of proportion. The intelligence of the body processes a billion times more information than I can be consciously aware of. So the first surrender to that larger intelligence is, is the tyrant, the, the ruler, the supervisor in the head dropping out of that isolation that the cranium affords and into that teeming intelligence of the body. But the second surrender to the larger intelligence is that the body itself is attuned to the world. The body is a resonator. I mean, we've stuffed it the way you might stuff a bell with cotton balls and it no longer resonates to the present. And so we, we don't feel the present. I mean, it's all the time, all the time running through us, but we've, we've dulled ourselves to that. So we've, we've contracted our awareness from the wholeness that supports our every breath and onto this fantasy of the isolated self. And that can only be ruinous to the whole. If you don't feel the whole, you won't feel the damage you're doing to it. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. I got tingles in my body. And also I've got like, as always with our conversations, you know, I'm, I'm being like pulled open. And, and as you're talking, this, as you said, surrender, I just heard the word death. And there was this sense of as much as it's almost like there's a dying to the actual self, right? Especially the individual limited perspective of the self, the me, me, me mentality, you know, which we, you know, we've termed many things in from different people, you know, some call it the ego and so on. But I, the way you described it is much more, as you said, that wholeness of being, what, what sort of come by me, if I can capture this, 
I was having lots of visuals there as you were speaking, was that actually then when we look at our structures in place from borders, from the way that we're being governed, the way we're allowing ourselves to be governed, the, 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 the systems in place that have been, you know, agreed to, you know, unconsciously or not, right? Even, even consciously on some terms. And then the, the way that we inhabit and, and are living in most of the time apartments, right? Apart, you know, apart from everyone, apart from myself, because how you described it, I mean, you know, I'm only concerned about me, myself, my own survival, and, and I'm, I must be in my loneliness and alone, so therefore I can't, you know, I can't actually connect. And so then it's sort of, from that perspective, so much of what we're seeing, if, if, we, if we shifted our point of focus from that individual, well, just what you described, I don't need to re re replay it, everybody just heard it, to that sense of wholeness, if we shift our point of focus to what that really requires and what has to die and what we have to lose, let go of and surrender to, then all of a sudden something else emerges anyway, right? Yeah. yeah there's yeah. an emergence yeah go absolutely uh, well i was just going to say there's a huge mythological context to this which has to do with a polarity between male and female and has to do with the tension between the the hero and the tyrant so joseph campbell described the tyrant it's such a an acute precise description the tyrant is the man of self-achieved independence. And that's the contraction of the tyrant into the castle, of the self into the head. Um, it is at the same time a withdrawal from the female. Mm. So we have, we have denigrated the female and, and dismissed it and ignored it and neglected it. And the female you know, I feel in my body this fabulous male intelligence that abstracts and discerns and gains perspective. And in the body, there is this intelligence that is connected and relational and, and knows how to integrate and feel the world and place me in the present. Mm. And what we've done is, you know, Historically, our center of awareness has moved out of the body into the head. Mm. And we've moved away from the mother as the center of our culture to the father. And we've moved away from the goddess to the god and away from the earth to the sky where God lives. And this is a long, long story, but we're stuck in it the way a fly is stuck on, on flypaper. Mm. And, and it feels safe. It feels safe to, to disengage from the world and protect yourself. Because if, if the world can't get to you, it can't hurt you. But the very concept of safety is a, is a primary concern of the tyrant who, who, who um, wants um, immortality, basically, and, and fears death. And it's an illusion. Right. Safety. Right. I mean, exactly. I've noticed, I don't know about you, Simon, but I've noticed that if you're alive, you're not safe. Right. You're going to get hurt. 
you're going to get sick, you're going to get injured, you're going to die. Life isn't safe. And what happens is, I mean, the tyrant recognizes that. We as a culture recognize that. And then the conclusion we draw is that, well, maybe if I'm less alive, I'll be more safe. Right. And we contract. Right. Because we deny the, it. Yeah. And the world, you know, I talk about the world resonating through your being. You have a unique cluster of gifts. No one has ever had these sensitivities, these gifts in this way. And the world is whispering to you to put those into service. And as long as we're, we've dulled the body and rendered it insensate, we, we're, we're deaf to that whispering. Right. And it's only, it's only as those are activated that we move forward as individuals and as a culture. Right. Beautiful. Yes, yeah, so beautiful. Tingles again on my arms. Look at my t arms are just tingling right now. No, really. And it's not just, it's not, I know you don't even, it's not even about, um, you know, acknowledging the individual here. I'm talking about like, if we don't start having these dialogues from the collect or from the wholeness speaking, right? How does the wholeness speak, right? In any given moment. Because I noticed how when I, just yesterday I was in so much closure and stubbornness and went into that feeling, all of that density for the day and then shut off my partner and shut off everything else for a moment. And like you said, it goes into that place where it, the illusion of safety of like, I'm going to be okay over here. I take care of myself, but you feel completely dead. You're, you're dead. You're not alive. You're a dead person walking. You, you can't even, you can't even enjoy the beauty of the leaf, you know, that is, is shining and, 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 and permeating in front of you or the birds dancing in the swimming pool. You know, you miss them. You miss them. You, you forget about them, right? There's like a, there's like almost like a, a, an amnesia, right? You can, you know, it's, it, and that's actually, and if you go back as far as uh, Plato, many others, right? There was this, uh, uh, um, collective uh, um, neurosis, right? This, uh, there's a sort of a, you know, a sense of, um, you know, feeling so um, desensitized, right? From, from life. And, and I, mean, I know you just said this, but, you know, I, I've used the term many times of like dead, you know, it feels like the, the life force has been sucked out of so many of our brothers and sisters, right? And I, I always describe everyone I meet as a divine being, right? And I say, you know, you are a divine being, a miracle. Nobody ever has, has, has been created in the light that you are, right? And, and often, Philip, there's a blankness at first because people are like, they're like, wow, I've never even like, I've, I've, I've not even considered that. It's a, there's a sense that they haven't considered that, right? That they are that miraculous just for being, regardless of whether you've got studied or you've got any, anybody knows you or you've got friends or, you know, just the, the essence of your being. And that's been somehow, and, you know, again, we, it's been sucked out of us. And actually, that, that is so clear for me why billions of us will allow ourselves to be controlled by fear by uh, uh dominance by systems and structures that that clearly and dogma and dogma yeah. exactly it, clearly they don't they don't serve us and and there's a knowing inside that like there's something off here that, 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 is this really serving 
us as a, as a collective, you know, and it's like, no, it's not. We are, we are, we have been rendered blind to wholeness. Yeah. And when you, when you, when you don't feel wholeness, you are insensitive to its guidance. Mm. There's guidance in every moment. It's there. Fall into it. Surrender to it. Feel it and ride it. But when you don't feel that guidance, all you've got is idea and reactivity. Right. That's all you've got. And reactivity is so different from responsiveness. Reactivity is, is unintegrated energy that, that is reacting. Right. A response is, is a harmonious um, ripple through the whole. And when there is no wholeness, there cannot be response. There's just reactivity and the clinging on to idea as though it could save you. It could make things right. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Reactivity to idea that can save you. And then again, in the illusion that you, you even need saving, because in the wholeness, there's nothing to save. Right? No. And your, your being, your being isn't, isn't, shut down at the border of your skin your being is what you discover when you're fully present mm. that's your being including the leaf and the birds playing in the pool mm. it's all part of your being at this moment and to to open the gates and feel that expansive spacious play and be still within it. You, within that stillness, you will feel this subtle, gentle, joyous activation. And that is the fuse of your life. <laughs> you know what? I'm tingling all over. I love it. Because, ah, you know, it, it's... <laughs> you know why I'm laughing. I know you know why I'm laughing. But for people watching, I did a talk recently with, a, with, with another beautiful being. Everyone's a beautiful being, of course, but like it was another beautiful being. And it's the play. It's the divine play, right? And, and as, you was, as you was just saying that, when, as that playfulness comes in and that, 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 dis, that dissolution, that, that no longer identifying to everything else we've mentioned along here, I, I saw loads of people dancing, um, uh, Phil. And uh, as you were talking, they were just dancing in so much joy and celebration of their wholeness that anything else cannot actually attach to that because the frequency itself, the frequency itself cannot survive in that because it's like, well, we are, we are not that. It's a, this is, yeah. we, we are not that. And there's a, oh my Lord, my body's tingling like crazy right now, right? So can, can, I, can I share something with you that yes. is so pertinent? Um, one, of the, one of the thinkers who most deeply looked into play for me was Donald Winnicott, who was a, a psychiatrist in England and wrote books on it. And he talked about play as the one activity in which the whole of the personality is present. 
So play is on the side of wholeness. And the opposite of play for Donald Winnicott is compliance. Wow. Tingles. And so, and, and that's what we've got in our culture is compliance to the right ideas, the dogma, the, the dissociation, the contraction of, of the self into this, into this dark, dark cell. Um, compliance and play. You take your pick. Wow. I and love... Go, 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 go. Yeah, just if you're looking for safety... You will comply. Right. You want to be safe. What are the rules? What should I do? How should I do it? You're looking for a top-down solution. Right. Right. And if you are in the play of life, if you are in the, if you are in the freedom of wholeness, you are trusting that present moment where you don't, the, the, the many you, the many personas don't exist in that moment anyway. And therefore you are governed and, 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 and sovereign in that trusting that whatever comes up in any given moment will be there to support your existence in whatever that looks like. And if that is the dissolution of you in that moment, that's also the divine play of that, of that wholeness, right? There's a complete, wow, I'm, I'm so like, my, at the moment, things are dropping and, oh, ah, so beautiful. That's why I love talking to you. And I hope anybody watching this can really play with us through this conversation and, and, and see, because I, I just saw again, and I know you and I are all about uh, play, even the why, why we were so uh, impassioned by theatre, right? You and I both have a, a love of theatre. And in that divine play, as I even, as Shakespeare's popping up now and and um, many other players, uh, you know, you know who's coming into my mind? Charlie Chaplin is coming into my mind. You know, there's the sense of in these dire, dire times where it feels that all of a sudden everything's being taken away from us. If we can rise as that, as that true playfulness, not as a, not as a, a substitute is trying to make out I'm playing, but a genuine freedom of surrender to come into that divine play. There is a, such a freedom in that that actually empowers others to realize that, that we are not confined. That's basically what's popping up. Yeah. No. And, and being is essentially spacious. Right. And, and when you come back to your wholeness, you surrender to the spaciousness of your being. Mm. Right. And, and play is spacious and, compliance is a is a contraction mm. and you just you just feel the the diminution and and separation that happens with that um withdrawal from mm. the spaciousness of being mm. <laughs> and, and, the, <laughs> and the irony for me is that the more you the more you retract from the spaciousness of being, the less you'll feel the security of being. Mm. Right? I mean, there's only one security, which is the security of your being now here in this place. And it's such a different thing from the safety 
that we're taught to want. And, and when you're looking for safety, you, you look for the political leader who has the iron fist and, and, and is going gonna, is gonna to make things right. 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 God. Right. Know? Right. And I'm just seeing all the many different, you know, military leaders, political leaders in our, you know, in, in let's go over the last whatever hundred years. And you see that actually everybody was, even the ones that afterwards, many years later, they realized, why the hell was I even following this? But you've just described it. The, 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 the sheer fear and need for safety. It's like, and, and, and the density of, the, of that um, war and control and manipulation and dominance. And then, oh, wow, you know, we have a, we have a seven-year daughter. It's not my daughter, not my daughter, Dara's daughter, but, you know, she's, she's, she's my, uh, my teacher, my guru. And um, I've been with her for seven, uh, six years of her seven years of life. And just as you were talking, I was seeing her play in, in the many times that she's played. And, and I was thinking of me playing and what she evokes through her playfulness is spaciousness, right? Right? And you know this, you, you have children, there's a spaciousness in playing. And it was just seeing that. And then I was noticing at times my own density in my compliance to go and do something, right? Whatever it might be, the doing persona of like, I need to do this or get this done and how my energy becomes dense, not spacious. I just, anyway, that was just some visual that popped up as you were speaking. And it's, yeah. You know, the, 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 the question for me is, is well, the, not even the question, the, passion, the appetite, the love within me is to connect with reality, to connect with this reality and dance with it and play with it and feel it. And the only way to connect with reality is to surrender to the wholeness. That's, if you can't feel the present as a whole, and I, I, you know, it's amazing in our culture how people struggle with that. They, you know, they go to five-day retreats to, to try to feel the present in its wholeness. All it is is whole. That's, mm. There's nothing else to it but wholeness. Yeah. And if you can't feel the present in its wholeness, you're not feeling the present. You're feeling bits and pieces of it. Right. Right, yeah. The, you know, you're feel, yeah, you're feeling... You're, you're, you're feeling um, Almost again, going back into concepts or ideas, you're, you're, you're actually going into the ideas again, as, as we spoke. That the presence is an idea, right? Or like, oh, I'm doing, yeah. I'm doing presence now, you know? Or I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm actually, you know, whereas actually that is all it is. It can't be anything but that. So what we're actually dying to is anything that is blocking us from that truth of who we are. Yeah, yeah, that's our reality. Yeah. And what, what's happened in our culture is we've got it backwards. We think reality is a, a sort of unification of differences. And reality is actually a differentiated unity. Mm. It's like all it is is one with these gorgeous differentiations that blossom as a flower or a beetle or a soaring eagle. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's take a nice deep breath in on that. 
It's such a joy. <laughs> it's such a joy jumping around with you on this and, and seeing, seeing what bursts forth. Yeah. Yeah. Really. <clears throat> so much gratitude. And, um, ah, yeah, I feel very, I feel full and nurtured. And I really appreciate you for, yeah, holding me in this time and, and what I want to share and express and allow through me so that there, so that spaciousness can be truly felt once I'm being allowed to express myself. So I really, yeah, I want to acknowledge that. And if there's any, I mean, I feel very complete. I, I get a sense that you feel uh, very similar, but I, I, I want to just offer you if there's any passing words that you, you either, anything you want to share to those listening to us today or in, 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 uh, in our completion uh, feel free now. Well, I might, I might add one thing. Yeah. <clears throat> that there is a dilation to being that enables the spaciousness. And that dilation is supported by a gathering. And it's a gathering of your center, the center of your awareness. And where it, where it gathers most tangibly, most securely is deep in the pelvic bowl for me. And so there's this, you know, again, it's this, this marriage of complementary opposites, the spacious dilation and that, that gathering of the, of the still point within that feels it all. Mm. Yeah, and stay there. Then let's stay. There. I love that. Stay there. So when you say the pelvic bowl for those listening, I have a little uh, and and how to uh, how to. I, I never I never really like the how. I don't like asking the how. It's normally a what and the why for me, and the how becomes too mental. But like in terms of that gathering and 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 enabling us for maybe people listening to you for the first time or or or, or to us, and is there is there a little um, practice or a little invitation of how people can at least just drop into that space philip this is something that pops up that we could offer people that have been with us this far you know let's give it a try let's give it a try i i just i just like to say that the more gently you allow yourself to try it the more clearly it will unfold for you in our culture, we try to make things, we have an idea of what should happen, and then we try to make it happen. And that is so opposite to what this work is about. But right. I talked earlier about how our center rose out of the body into the head. And that happened, you know, began in the Neolithic Revolution, 6000 BC or so. And, and we're now so high in the head. But you can reverse that journey. Mm. And to reverse that journey, you know, I spoke of the pelvic bowl. The pelvic floor, which is at the very base of your trunk, and it's where, you know, the, the anus and the genitals and the perineum are. It's that, it's that fecund realm of life that we are so terrified of mm. in our culture. Well, at the very center of the pelvic floor, which I experience as the ground of my being, when I come home to myself, it's to the pelvic floor I return. Mm. 
and more specifically to the perineum, which is at the center of the pelvic floor. And the perineum, when I speak of the still point, it's in the perineum I find it. And so the, that gathering into the perineum enables the dilation of awareness. Mm. So if listeners, if you're not sure where your perineum is, it's, it's in a different place for men and women. For, for men, it's right between the anus and the genitals uh, at the very center of the pelvic floor. For women, it's close to the vaginal opening, which is why the perineum can tear in childbirth. But either way, the, you engage the perineum to stop yourself from peeing. Mm. It's a very familiar thing. So I'll give you a, a few minutes and, and talk you through this. Begin by allowing the breath to gently brush across the pelvic floor. So just release the back, the lower belly, the hips, and feel the life of the breath like a rainfall on parched earth and it hits the pelvic floor and life answers. And feel the perineum as specifically as you can, locate it in your awareness. Just bring the whole of your awareness to the perineum and feel its presence. And then feel opening up through the body, rising from the pelvic floor, a spacious corridor, and it unfolds within the body and it opens and it opens and it opens, eventually all the way to the top of the head. So you feel that spacious corridor through the body and the perineum at the very bottom, at the very center of it. And up in the head, locate the center of your awareness, the center of your thinking, the center from which you notice the world. And allow it to show up in any way it needs to. It might be just a, a little felt center of energy. It might show up as a pearl or a diamond or who knows what. But feel it there, locate it there. And allow it to come into relationship with the perineum so very far below it. So it's as though each recognizes in the other its counterpart. They feel each other, and as they feel each other, there is a, a glimmering of love between them. And you feel that love as a bond, as a gravity. And the center of the awareness in the head releases to that love, and it begins to drop, and it floats down through the body. It descends gently slowly, patiently, smoothly, the way a pebble tossed into a pond seeks the bottom. And it just drops. It drops being called by the perineum. And if it, if it stalls out, if it seems suddenly reluctant to go further, 
understand that you've encountered a little gift. There's a little shadow in the body that you might not otherwise have been aware of. And that shadow is like an orphan. And just like an orphan, it needs your love. It needs your unconditional acceptance. It needs to be seen and felt just as it is. And as you offer those qualities to it, it will soften and disperse. And at a certain point, the center of your awareness can resume its descent. And at a certain point, it will begin to drop into the realm of the pelvic bowl and still drop, called by the gravity of the perineum. And you will feel the moment when the center of your awareness comes to rest on the perineum. And just, just check in with the perineum. Just gently engage it. Because sometimes you're an inch or so above it. And that last little bit of the drop is transformational. And feel the center of your awareness come to rest on the perineum. And understand that the center of your awareness is at rest in a realm that doesn't need language. And it feels everything. It attunes to the world. And at the very center of the perineum, there is a stillness. And that stillness attunes to wholeness. And you cannot grasp wholeness. You can't objectively know it, but you can feel it. And that feeling requires a surrender it allows the center of your awareness to fully come to rest on the perineum without expectation, without design. And as you rest there, I just encourage you to notice any sense of dilation, a sense of ease, a sense of softening into and welcoming the present moment, the world around you. And that for me is the gathering that makes the spaciousness possible. The spaciousness supports that still point. The still point supports the dilation. Hmm. Wow. I feel uh, 
I feel super zen now. <laughs> that was, <clears throat> you know, it's, um, yeah, I know that, I know that point, of course, myself and, and in terms of being guided there with your beautiful voice as well and, and your, the way you just guided me there and hopefully others joined us listening. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there's actually, there's no words. So much falls away. And, um, you know, I could verbalize stuff that may or may not have happened, but just dropping into that space as I've done before, of course, it's not the, the first time, but there's just so much drops away and that spaciousness that can be felt so, so beautiful. And, and what and we, I, uh, go on, please. I was just going to say, we started the conversation talking about simplicity. Mm. Right. There it is. There right. it is. Right. Yeah. Keep it simple. Yeah. So, Philip, but like, yeah. I think you know how much I, I love, respect, and, and, and have cherished our encounters. And this, for me, the way you've verbal, um, articulated and verbalized uh, uh, this journey into wholeness again for me has, has been a, a great contribution. And there's some nuggets. I'm going to go back and listen to this. because There were some real nuggets that, that really fell for me and have and enabled me to also uh, come through some of the... Uh, some of the density and, and the, um, what we described was, was clinging on to me a little. And I feel that there's a, you know, a, a release that's taken place on this, uh, on this call. So I really uh, personally am super grateful as always to be in your presence. And I hope that this talk really supports those who it needs to support at this time as we transition out of that density and into our, wholeness yeah and my heart is full of joy and love as it always is at the end of our conversations mm. <laughs> it's wonderful thank you yeah thank you so much <clears throat> so there you go thank you everybody for tuning in and listening to uh, this transparent conversation with myself and philip Please, if you've loved it, enjoy it, share it, and also go and explore Philip's website. As always, I don't need to tell you, but you know, you'll find the links where you need to look. And uh, yeah, thank you for being with us today. And whatever you're going through, we hope this brings a little nourishment and uh, healing balm to your uh, personal experience. <laughs> this is our time to rise.